Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Well, it's been some time since we have been in Woodlands. For some reason, I always end up in Jalapang, I don't know why, but Bernice and I are so glad to be here again because of dear friends that we haven't seen for a while and hopefully some new friends as well. So thank you for the, the privilege of being able to share from God's Word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you with our hearts and our voices and now we want to worship you with our listening. Open our hearts, open our minds to what you have for us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was once a, a very uh, young accountant. I think he was in his early 30s. And he managed to, to by some miracle, get a job in, uh, in a, a startup where he was the financial controller. And he had... Uh, three young children, and his wife was a homemaker, so he was the breadwinner. Yeah? And, but after a couple of months, the, the boss came to him, and let me just read this. The boss came to him and said, uh, I was asked by my employer to sign an insurance underwriting application form, an insurance underwriting application form, which I knew for certain, and the boss knew as well, had false financial information. Because as an accountant, his signature carries weight. Nah? So he was asked to sign this, and he knew the numbers were not right. So if you were in his shoes, what would you do? It may be easy to say, no, I cannot bluff, I cannot. But then imagine you are the breadwinner, you have three young children, your wife is a homemaker. Not so simple. Huh? You could have justified it by saying that uh, well, uh, I didn't want to do it, but my boss asked me to do it. So God deal with him, not me. You, you, you could have, we are all very good at rationalizing. Uh, or you could have chosen uh, not to do this. But you have to think, what should I do? You have to think, right? So he, he was a believer, and of course, I'm sure he asked the Lord. And sometimes the Lord does give you a, a direct, specific direction. Don't sign. Now, sometimes the Lord does give some direct equation. But I find that most of the time, the, the Lord wants us to think through things, to think through, now, what, what, what should I do? What do I really believe? And so the mind is key in our discipleship. So I find that this is not always accepted by the church because there may have been a period in the life of the church when uh, the church would have treated the signs of the day as more true than the Bible. So if there's a clash between the signs of the day and the Bible, then the Bible must be just a myth, just a story. And, and that really caused a lot of damage to the church. So the church tended to have an, an almost anti-intellectual bias sometimes. No need to think too much, just trust in God. You know? I remember when I was first preparing to go to seminary, some friends uh, who came and, and they prayed with me, and they were quite concerned that I was going to seminary. Because if I go to seminary, I would fill my head with so much ideas, got no space for the Holy Spirit. 
So that the Holy Spirit and the mind occupy the same space, man. I mean, I don't know. But they were very concerned that if I go and uh, you know learn too many things, and maybe they have had friends who had suffered that. I don't know. No, they, they were very clear about their faith in God. Then you go to seminary, learn this, learn that. Now suddenly they were not sure about this, not sure about that. So I think they, they were very concerned. It's not that they were anti-intellectual, but they were very concerned. And so sometimes this understanding that we need to think through our faith clearly is not something that the church really takes seriously. Often we tell Christians what they need to think. So you must believe this, huh? must believe that, right? We tell them what they need to do. Must share the gospel, huh? do quiet time. Huh? So we tell them what they need to believe. We tell them what they need to do. But we don't teach them how to think Christianly. When was the last time you had a seminar? I look at all the discipleship materials out there. And indeed, there are things you need to do, study Bible, whatever. There are some basic biblical truth that you must believe in. So what to believe, what to do. But I often find there's no module on how to think Christianly how to think Christianly. And so today's sermon topic, Minds in the Hands of God, I, I, I didn't choose this topic, this was assigned to me by the church, but as I prepared the sermon, I, I, I was very, very convicted that this is something that needs to be addressed very seriously. I, I think we are strong in, in knowledge and activism, but not really strong in helping our people think Christianly. Often we think that this is only for clever people, intellectuals. You know? So it's only for a certain group of people. Or we, we reduce it to just knowing a lot of doctrine. And so we don't really take it seriously. You know? It's not in the core, core discipling concerns. It's uh, you know, elective for clever people. Right? You know? So mine. But as I continue to meditate on this, I recognize that this is something very fundamental and basic. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. Because as we seek to follow Christ you know, in the world, like this accountant, we need to think, what should I do? Huh? What should I do to follow Christ in the various situations that God puts me into? You know? So often God may not give you detailed, detailed commands for everything, but he gives you a, a, a thinking compass, so to speak, for you to navigate the different questions that come before you as you try to follow Christ at whatever age, uh, at whatever Place in life. So the passage that I've chosen for today is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And although it's just two verses, it's so rich. Romans 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, the first line, I urge you, the word urge actually is a very strong word. Hey, please do this, huh? please. Huh? This urge. It's just a bit short of command you. Command, of course, is very strong, but it's also quite strong. That word means that, hey, this is serious. Huh? I urge you guys huh? uh, to, in view of God's mercy. And so what is now been told that we should do is a response to what God has done for us. So as you know, you should read the Bible in its totality, by the time we reach chapter 12, Romans chapter 1 to 11 is telling you that we have all sinned, we have got no hope, you are doomed, and yet God in his love comes to you in Jesus and Christ dies for us. So when you reach chapter 12, your heart should be full of gratitude. Whew, I, I was lost, man, lost, man, and God came and rescued me. 
So out of a sense of gratitude, then that is the motivation for the other things that's going to be taught in the book of Romans. I want to point this out because I think so much of Christianity is not, you must do this, huh? you mustn't do that, huh? you must do this. Huh? It almost seems as though the Christian faith is predicated, is based on what I do first. But really the first thing is what God has done for us first. And that's the awareness of God's goodness to us and God's deep sacrifice to us that moves us to say thank you and gratitude. And it's that kind of gratitude that makes us want to do the things that we ought to be doing. So let's not talk about what we need to do, need to do, but let's, what has God done for us? And that's Romans chapter 1 to 11, then we hit chapter 12, then in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies. Now bodies is, how we interact with the world is through our bodies, right? So it means to give your whole life, or your whole life, the totality of your life, as a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it, you had to kill an animal to sacrifice unto the Lord. So now there's no need already. No, Jesus has died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice. Now it's not a matter of offering animals. You don't need to bring, hey, next week, uh, bring some animals to, to Woodlands. Covenant. We're going to, we're going to have some. Yeah, after that, if you don't waste it, we can have some barbecue afterwards. <laughs> no, no, so no need already. No need, we, no need to have uh, kill animals for sacrifice. So now what do we do? Then it's a sacrifice of our lives, the totality of our lives. Your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, holy means belonging to God. Holy is not first and foremost a, a statement of ethical purity, but first and foremost is a statement of ownership. You know, the acknowledgement that God owns me eh? and pleasing to God. This is what makes God glad. You know? and, and this is your true and proper worship. Or some versions say logical. I mean, this is the only appropriate response. Ma. God has given us himself completely on the cross. So the only appropriate and logical response, we give ourselves wholly also unto Him. You give everything, we give everything. It's the totality of our lives, not just a small segment of our lives. Then we say, well, okay, Lord, I want, I want to do this. I want to give the totality of my life. But then, how? how? So He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And it's a recognition that there's these two worlds. This world, which is tainted and corrupted by sin, and the perfect world to come and Christ will come back. But this world is where we live now while waiting for the world to come. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And this is a warning signal that the world we live in is not neutral. There are forces in this fallen world that want to pressurize us to conform to the values of the evil one, the values of a fallen world. So this is a warning to us. This world not neutral, eh? Every day, every day as we walk through this world, there are forces adhering to squeeze, squeeze us to be more things that God doesn't want. So do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed. Transform means a total change. It's not just a cosmetic change. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And hence our sermon today, Minds in God's Hands. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So like, if you go through situations like the accountant, what should I do? Huh? What is God's will? Huh? Should I sign or not? Or and these are the situations we will encounter as we try to follow Christ in the different, uh, different spheres of life every day. What should I do? What should I do? What does it mean to follow Christ? How do I glorify God in this situation? So I need to know. So you transform mind, will then enable you to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. So you must know the stakes involved in putting your mind in God's hands. 
It is one thing to be able to think in such a way that we know what we should do as followers of Jesus. So let me uh, make, make a few points from these uh, this two powerful verses. And the first is this. Number one, we are to worship God with the totality of our lives. That is, as living sacrifices, the totality of our lives. And I need to say this uh, properly, that uh, my, my fear always and not this church, that we reduce worship purely to singing. You know there's some, let's prepare to worship God. It means time to sing. No? And we will sing unto the Lord. And I need to say that music is a precious gift from God. It enables us to express our heart. So I think worshipping God with song is appropriate and needed. So let me say that clearly. So I thank God for the worship team that works very hard in helping to lead us in worship and song. So I'm not knocking worship and song. I love to sing as well. And the fact that God gives us a whole book, the book of Psalms, uh, as a, a central part of Scripture means that we are to worship God with song. Song helps us to express what is deepest in our heart. My concern is that we reduce worship only to that. So less worship God means sing song, then after I go home already. No need to worship already. You know, so I think we are worshiping God with the totality of our lives. We worship God before we came to this hall. We worship God while we were here singing together. We will worship God uh, the rest of the week. In fact, to me, the test of Sunday worship is what kind of people we are on Monday. If you come to Sunday, oh, I enjoy the worship. Oh, I didn't enjoy the worship. I don't know the songs. Why the speaker so long-winded? Uh? So, so it's, you're a consumer. You have come here to you know, consume worship. And then it's, you get your spiritual fix. Then Monday you go on as live as normal. No? Well, I mean, we are meant to worship God with the totality of our lives. It means everything. Eh? Everything. So Sunday, singing, liturgy is part of the worship. But then Sunday should empower us for Monday. The test of Sunday is what kind of people we are on Monday. Are we still worshipping God in our relationship? You know, how we treat media? Everything. Lah, our marriage. You know, our relationship with our parents, with our children, uh, how we treat money, how we treat grey areas, like my accountant friend. In everything I have to ask, in everything I have to ask God, uh, how do I worship you? How do I glorify you in this context? Is this going to be tough? Of course. Lah. But then, I mean, I can't lower the bar because this is what God says. Worship me with your bodies as a living sacrifice. means everything. Uh, I'm scared to say this too. I'm no hero. I know how far I fall short. But I cannot lower the bar. I mean, this is not I say one, not God say one. So I cannot lower the bar. And that means we have to honour God with everything in our lives. And since there's some concern about how we uh, nurture the younger generation, I must tell you that one thing that we have found out that children of believing parents uh, find it hard to accept uh, is that they worship God on Sunday uh, with so much fervor. Then they go home, they're totally different people. I hear some laughter here, I don't know why, but uh, that's why the kids cannot tahan. They say, oh, no, uh, dad, he's, oh, no. Then go home and they, what? It's a different person. Taken over by scroll, I don't know what, but they're a totally different person. Totally different person. So what? And that, if we really are serious about hanging the faith down to our children, I, we know we are not perfect. I mean, I think they are also not stupid. They also know we are not perfect. But at least there must be some connection with what we say on Sunday and how we live on Monday. La. Some connection. Huh? And if we fumble, then we 
say sorry to our kids, I mean, but we, we have to be real. So we worship God with the totality of our lives. And since one of the concerns is handing the faith down, I need to mention this in our generation's research. Some of the things that kids of believing parents struggle with is there's a different person on Sunday and a different person on Monday, or maybe Sunday night. Nah, different. And so guys, let, let, let's get our act together in terms of worshipping God with the totality of our lives. And there are many things at stake. Number one is what God requires. But number two, it then makes it real for our kids. Leh. I mean, I, I see that and mom, they're, 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 they're serious about their faith on Sunday and Monday. And like I said, not that it be perfect, but no, at least they see there's this sense of reality of God in their lives on Sunday and Monday. So the first thing we learn is we have to worship God with the totality of our lives, which means, among other things, there's no sacred, secular divide. Sometimes we, we are serious about following God only in churchy kind of things. CG, la, Sunday. Then Monday, Aya, be real. La, how can you be Christian in the business world? So we have another set of values. And this is precisely what we are not to do. We are to bring God and worship God and honour God with every area of our life. And there will be tough times. Never say that follow Christ means God, no struggle. Never say that. But this is what God desires of us, to worship the Lord with our total lives. But to do this, point number two, we need to know what God would have us do in situations that we encounter. So what to do? Huh? Oh, yes, okay, I want to follow God, but sometimes it's not that I don't want, but I don't know what to do. Jesus, what you want to do in this situation? I'm not sure. We, we need to know what to do. So hence, in end of verse two, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So that is our goal, that we will know what is God's will in given situations. What do you want me to do, Lord? Sometimes I want to do, but don't know what to do. Sometimes I know what to do, but scared. Now, that's a different thing. But no, what, what do you want me to do? So how does God lead us? That's my point. Is it always through some mystical, uh, direct revelation of the Holy Spirit in every situation? We must not take the mind, take the mind and throw away. Just have a small Holy Spirit receptor color. That's all we need. Almost robotic. Holy Spirit says this. Holy Spirit says that. So no, need to, no need to think. No need to think. So that's it. People talk like that. I said, who give you the mind? Satan or what? From God one. God give us the mind so that we can think his thoughts after him. What a high privilege. Mind is not a mistake. It's something given to us by God so we can think his thoughts after him. It's such a high calling. Instead of just a tiny Holy Spirit receptor, you know. But actually, he allows us to be part of, part of his processes. And that's a high calling. So, to know what we need to do in a given situation, uh, of course, we need to pray. I'm not saying we don't. And sometimes the Lord does give direct revelation. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. But as much as it sounds very unspiritual, see, but the bulk of the time that we make decisions is to think through, but to think through with God's kind of thinking, lah. In the old days, I used to be very apologetic saying this because it makes me sound not very spiritual. You trust in your brain, not Holy Spirit. Who give the mind one? Satan. Satan. So now, I said that God has given us the mind so we can think his thoughts after him. And we should be humble and seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. But yet, not everything must have direct revelation. What, Lord, what colour tie should I wear today, Lord? Give me some guidance, Lord, Holy Spirit. Red one, your red one. I, I use my sanctified mind. I think red and white, not too bad. Lah, with red. So I didn't hear from Holy Spirit. I just did some. I have very limited wardrobe. So 
So not everything is direct and mystical. Although it does happen, it's a tension we have to live with because I'm not saying he doesn't do that. We have to be open and ask the Lord for that. But it seems, maybe I'm getting old, it seems that the main way in most situations, you, hey, you think biblically, lah, use your mind, use your mind. So we need to know what we need to do in given situations. Uh, we, we need to be able to make decisions based on how God has shaped our mind. And that's why I'm saying I'm worried that the church doesn't seem to have taken the mind seriously in recent times. When was the last time you got a, a, a core workshop on how to think Christianly? Have you? Have you? So, as I said, this is a fresh rediscovery for me too. When I look at the discipling going on, there's very little on how to think Christianly. But I need to know the stakes involved because point number three, we need to be aware of and resist the pressures of a fallen world. We don't live in neutral context. There's a spiritual warfare going on for your ideas. Every day out in the world, we're bombarded with all sorts of thoughts which are contrary to the truth of God. It's all there, out there, all day, all the time. So like, uh, no, it's, you must be rich enough or beautiful enough or enough connections, then you are really important. No, otherwise, you don't really count. And sometimes I think the church also seems to imbibe this culture of only the spectacular people are important. Huh? It's kind of it's testimonies you hear. Oh, you almost died already. Huh? I pray. Huh? Came to life again. Huh? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You never hear testimony. I pray. Huh? Then he died. Huh? <laughs> but I praise the Lord because I know where he is. He's with the Lord. You could hear this kind of testimony or not? So we only have testimonies which focus on the spectacular, the you no know, very so now that most of us don't have this kind of experiences. Me, our lives don't count, man. Hello. I pray the fellow died, so what? I try my best, ma. But you never hear this kind of testimonies. It's always the spectacular testimony, you no. Know? I was a drug addict for 20 years and then you know, I never take a drug in my life and I'm still following Jesus. So what? No big deal. No? I didn't 20 years drug addict, then we talk. You know? So this fixation with the spectacular, if that is what is knocking on your thinking all the time, then you may think as a regular person, I'm not that important. Of course, it's all, I mean, very subconscious, right? It's not that we say these things, but this is the idea that the world is giving us, and often the church echoes this. Only the spectacular are important. So ordinary people then, what? But this is not how God thinks, right? Hello? And I'm thinking also in this day and age where we imbibe most of our information from this. Right? Okay, let me do a little poll here. How many people still uh, subscribe to actual print newspaper? Okay, at least three more than this morning. <laughs> I, I like print newspaper. Apart from that, you can use it to line other things. But <laughs> the print newspaper is good because they are more reflective articles. They try to examine the right and wrong of a particular situation. Nowadays, you don't need newspaper for on-the-spot news. That one comes straight away from that. But analysis of situations, then print often allows me that. So I prefer print for that, for that matter. But uh, most of us now uh, get our this from this. And when we do this, often they're all very bite-sized. You know? Intellectual fries. You know? Intellectual potato fries. <laughs> Or, or, or it's small, small things, small, small things, and they all 
trying to be clickbait and so they will try to present headlines and stories to grab your eyeball. And usually they are stories of injustice. This girl I got beaten up. Yeah, how can you do that? The poor rider then talking about So they are meant to get you emotionally involved so you can read the article. They are not meant to get you thinking, hello. They are meant to grab your emotions. And if your emotions are not engaged with thinking, it's like a bull in a china shop. So angry. How can they do this? But if that is your primary source of information, I don't think our, our spiritual discernment is up when we do this because it's not information for entertainment. No? Nothing to do. I cannot smoke because no? Christian cannot smoke. So I can do this. Ching, 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 ching. It's my, how I kill my boredom. Ching, ching. Last time, I cannot. Eh, eh, cannot smoke, but we can. Ching, 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 ching. And so we get so caught up by what kind of people we should be from the influence of the media. And one of the ways talking about young people is often how important you are is uh, how many followers you have on Insta, or now I'm trying threads as well, but how many, how many followers you have? Actually, now threads quite boring. Anyway, uh, how many followers you have? So you've got lots of followers, I feel good. And not only how many followers, but how many people like your postings? And who like your postings? <laughs> every time I post something, uh, why nobody like? I keep checking every three seconds, nobody like my posting. Then I cannot sleep. No? At four o'clock in the morning, I wake up, anybody like my posting? Okay. So, if many people follow me and many people like my postings, I feel good. If I don't have that, I feel depressed. If you talk about depression among the young, I'm sure it happens for many reasons. But one reason, I think, is we let our whole life be defined uh, by social media. Lah. And that's not how God treats you. Whether you've got follower or no follower, God loves you. But this is, again, the kind of truth we need to speak to counter how the world is shaping us. I'm just giving you two or three examples. Eh? There are tons of examples of how the world is not neutral. Every day we navigate through the world, to social media. There's another value system at work, pressing, pressing, pressing. You want to help our young, among other things, is to teach them to resist this kind of wrong definitions of what means to be important and the fact that God loves you very much, whether you've got any follower or not. So we need to be aware and resist the pressures of the fallen world. So not only do we need to have our minds renewed to be able to discern what we should do, but we also need our minds to be renewed so that we can resist the pressures of a fallen world. So this is an important topic. Most of us, I don't think, take seriously enough. No? Huh? Renew my mind. Uh. Oh, I think I haven't used my mind since O-levels. Uh. I don't know. The last time I used my mind was O-level. I think. I don't know. Even A-levels, I, I flung. Almost. Yeah, I was all... We need to use our minds. It's, it's not about being clever or intellectual. or what. It's just being able to think God's thoughts. And for young, old, all of us, what, 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 what do I think God wants to do? Uh? So it's not that, what would Jesus do? You know, WWJD, sir. How about WWJT? What would Jesus think? If I know what Jesus thinks about the situation, then it will guide my behaviour. Often we jump straight to the behaviour without knowing the biblical rationale, and after a while it may get tough, maybe we may give up. But if I know the truth behind why we do certain things, that can sustain me even when following Jesus is hard. So we need, talking about young again, we cannot dumb down the faith for our young. Oh, they're young, so we make it simple. Hey, hello, I think young people know more than you, leh. 
think because of the internet, I think we live in an age where the young probably know more than the old. I, I, I believe this. So whatever we do in terms of discipling our young, what we cannot do is to dumb down the faith. They will have questions. We should give reasonable answers to why we are following Christ. We should give your reasonable answers. So we need to have our minds renewed. So here, uh, what does it say here? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We have to have our minds renewed. So it's by the transformation, by the transformation of our mind. The word transformation is a very strong word. It's not just tweaking the old mind. It's transform. It's totally new. So when we became Christians, we became a new creation and we got new mind also, you know. You know, when you order something from Amazon, the box come, excited, excited, you know, and then you open, then whatever. So when you became a Christian, there was a box that came from God, which included other things. You, oh, oh, new mind. <laughs> the mind of Christ. Oh, you take the, the fallen thinking, and then you put the new mind. You know. And it's not just another hard drive. I think it's actually a new OS. It's how we think. It's not just how much information can contain, but how we think. I think all of us, if you're a believer, you already have this, just that you don't activate it, that's all. We only activate on Sunday, maybe. You know, Sunday you come, then to go for lunch, off already. This should be on all the time. Hello, this is how we should be discerning what life is about all the time. Biblical truth, all the time, all the time. Discerning when other ideas are thrown at you. Let's discern this on all the time. So we have transformed minds. Transformed minds. But no point having a transformed mind if you don't use it. Lah. So, okay, one, two, three, all of us now. Turn on the mind. One, two, chick. Thank you. More people turn on than this morning. How most of them didn't turn on? I think you're all a bit more awake at this hour. I think. Let's all turn on the minds. And maybe two people only this morning. At least today, at least six people. Maybe the rest of you already turned on. Lah. Hello. Sorry, okay. So, how do we actually transform the mind? I mean, it's number one, a gift from God, but there are things that we need to do as well. Usually, when God does something, some kind of partnership, one, not that you know, uh, then you do something, but we work with Him. So, our part, of course, is, you know this already, I'm sorry, this is so boring and expected. We need to let the Word of God shape our mind. So, it says here in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how to transform the mind? The word of God is given to us. The words here, are teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, basically means what is right and wrong belief, what is right and wrong behavior. So we don't have to figure out from scratch the word of God. But it means, therefore, that you must learn the word of God in a way that does transform your thinking. Means what I get here is truth, and I will let it shape how I view life, the lens in which I view life. No point just having Bible knowledge. Do we really believe this is true? Listen to how many sermons, how many CG studies. Do you actually believe this stuff? Ah? And I'll notice that you actually live on the basis of this. So my fear is that in churches like this, we've got tons of Bible info. But to what degree does it really shape how we view life and what is right and wrong, what is important and not important? How much do we let it shape us? My, my fear always is that in the past, our education has always been imbibing facts to regurgitate during exam. 
I'm told that we have moved way beyond that. I hope so. But you know, old people, last time, oh, study, 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 exam, regurgitate, regurgitate, then give back to the teacher, then ha ha, forget really. And we can't do this with the Bible. The Bible is a double-edged sword. You know, it's got to shape our thinking. You've got to believe in this. Like my friend, in the end, he believed that he could not sign off on those numbers because it's not just having a Bible study on being honest and pass the Sunday school exam. It's living it out. And he, 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 he didn't. He didn't sign. So we have lots of Bible studies going on, but I will always be asking, to what degree have we allowed our thinking of life and truth and what is ultimately important shaped by what we study? All the sermons you hear, does it actually change your thinking or not? It's not just how much data you absorb, but how much does the word, living Word of God transform you? So, I, I pray that the churches in Singapore, starting with this congregation, that we recommit ourselves to this task of thinking Christianly. It's so basic. It's not for clever people. It's for all of us who want to be followers of Jesus. It, it really struck me as I prepared this sermon that we actually, I think, have lost this to some degree for whatever reason. We are very activists, change the world, you know, Antioch, whatever. We must uh, you know, win, win the world for Christ, help the poor. We are activists. Uh, we are people who want to get our theology correct, but not much help in learning how to think so that I can follow Christ in all the areas of life. I need help, man. And God wants to help us. He gave us His Word. He gave us Himself. The parakeet will lead you into all truth. So this journey of learning is not something that God said, you go and try, like, you go and try. <laughs> no, God Himself enters the game. God Himself, through the Spirit, is in our life to help us to understand. And God gives us his word. But we have to have a certain approach to how we study the scripture, wanting to let it transform our thinking. My dear friends, I, I felt very burdened about this topic. I didn't know until I began to prepare this sermon how much we desperately need our, our minds to be transformed. So friends, shall we as a church, as a church in Singapore, we rise up to this again, step by step, step by step. It's not overnight, we do it perfectly, but... How do we let God transform our minds so that we know how to please Him in every area of life? So my friend, what happened to my friend? Let me see. No, I want to use his words because... So he refused to sign. He thought about it. Then a few weeks later, I was asked to sign some letters to terminate some newly employed sales girls who had complained of sexual harassment by the same employer and his lackeys. So already, first one, not nice already, not kosher already, sign off on figures that are wrong. Second one, he asked him, because these girls were under his direct uh, report, he was supposed to, get to sack them. Why? Because they complained of sexual harassment from the boss. So at this time, my friend was thinking, maybe this is not the company I should be in. I shouldn't be working there. But before I can do anything, he got sacked himself. <laughs> you remember again what? Wife is... Homemaker. How many young children? Isn't this a scary time to suddenly now have to eat up your savings? And for months, he, he had no job. Then what would you be thinking? We think that a God who will not let me down. But time is passing. The months are passing. Then he got another job, which then led to another job, which led him to be the director of a bank. And he has been okay ever since. But does not need some kind of conviction to live like that? I need to obey God. God won't let me down, although I have to trust Him in tough times. These are things that He believed. Transform mine. And 
So I mean, is, is Christianity just some stuff we do on Sunday, some kind of spiritual fix, or is it really true? Then we want to obey God and follow Him in every area of life, which means that we need to know how to think so He can guide us how to follow Him. Let's help each other, I mean. Let's help each other. I will close with this prayer that I found in my daily prayer app. I also use the phone. Daily prayer. And, and it's this morning's prayer. No, so tuned this morning. So let me use this as the closing prayer for this section. Uh, it says, Lord, grant us the ability to think with your mind, to hear with your ears, to see with your eyes, to speak with your mouth, to walk with your feet, to love with your heart. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to respond to God in this song. Shall we rise? We thank God truly for His Word that renews our minds, allows transformation from deep within. Christian thinking results in life change, behavior change. We need that. We thank you, Lord, giving us Your Spirit, giving us Your Word. Speak, O Lord, as we come to You to receive the food. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. 
take your truth would you plant it deep within us so that we may be shaped and fashioned in your likeness Lord we pray this day that we will stand upon your truth daily and we will allow your truth to change us to shape us all our thoughts all our attitudes all our actions and all of our behaviours that flow from what we think and believe. So Lord, this day, we ask that you help us to love you with the totality of our lives. Help us to love you with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And people of God, would you lift up your hands as I pray over us the benediction for today. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.